Welcome to Mother Bodies, the podcast about postnatal health and why it matters. I'm your host, Rosie Taylor. I'm a journalist, and I'm on a mission to find out why we so often fail to give mothers the care and support they need after birth. It's fabulous to have you back for this second series, or welcome to those of you listening for the first time. Just in case you're new to Mother Bodies, let me tell you what the podcast is all about. Every week, I speak to an expert or well-known mum. Together, we debunk myths and break down taboos around postnatal health and discuss why the system is failing so many women and what we can do to change parents' lives for the better. This is Mother Bodies. Today, I'm thrilled to be speaking to Cleo Wood. Cleo is a women's health and sex positivity advocate. She's founder of And Breathe, an award-winning family well-being company, which she created in 2015 following the traumatic birth of her daughter. Cleo is the author of a new book on how to rediscover sex, pleasure and intimacy after birth called Get Your Mojo Back. It's published by Watkins and it's available in bookshops and online now. I started my chat with Cleo by asking her what inspired her to write a book about sex after birth. One of those topics that we're still really a little bit scared about talking about. Gosh, it is really such a taboo topic still, isn't it? I have these slightly secret conversations with people where when I bring it up in conversation, they'll go, oh my gosh, yes, totally. That is me too. Um, I'm having pain when I have sex or I don't feel anything when I have sex or actually vaginal lubrication is a real problem or I don't connect with my husband anymore or I just never feel desire. And I think the more that I experienced it and a lot of it is based on my own experience and the knowledge that I've uh, gathered through trying to solve my own issues, the more that I've kind of been through that experience and the more that I've spoken to people, the more I realise that actually it's a, it is a big problem and it's just one that we're not really talking about. And I guess in a way that's understandable because it is sex, it is intimacy. These are not necessarily dinner table uh, conversations. <laughs> um, but I think it just adds to that multitude of postnatal issues and, and women's well-being topics that we are not giving the right care for and the right support for. And it is very much left up to the woman, the new mum, to find support for herself which would be fine if we knew what we were trying to find support for, because we actually don't really even know what the problem is. So therefore, you know, how are we supposed to ask for a solution and try and find a solution if we don't actually know what the problem is? So that's a roundabout way of saying that I just think it's a really big topic that a lot of people are struggling with. And I know from my own experience that it's a really horrible thing to go through if you're not finding the help that you need and you are struggling with painful sex or, or whatever your issues might be. And it feels like there's no support out there. So that's kind of where the book came from. And hopefully it can really help some people uh, not go through some of the things that I went through. <laughs> Brilliant. So what kind of support is out there? So it really depends on what your issue is. I would say that this is one of the most difficult and perhaps most wonderful things about this topic. It could be a physical issue that is stopping you from getting fulfilling intimacy again. It could be a mental block. It could be practicality. It could be emotional and about your relationship with your other half. So the, the answer 
to your particular question um, could come from any number of sources. So I would say always your first port of call is your GP. You might need to go prepared with your own information and research and details of your symptoms and really be prepared to advocate for yourself. But if you can talk to your GP first in order to try and get a referral, I would ask to see a women's health physio or potentially talking therapy with counselling or a psychotherapist, which is also available potentially through your hospital as well. If you uh, have a perinatal mental health team attached to your hospital and you're under a year uh, postnatal, that's often uh, a source of referral as well. I would also really, really advocate if the kind of emotional, practical relationship side of things with your other half is the issue and not connecting with them, I would really advocate just talking to them first, which sounds ridiculously simple. But we kind of imagine that our other halves know what we're going through and don't need an explanation. And I know I personally get very annoyed when my husband can't read my mind. Um, <laughs> uh, so I think just even having that conversation in the first place can be incredibly helpful. And even we spent uh, quite a number of sessions with a couples therapist, which was a game changer for both of us uh, as well. So just in terms of how you're connecting, whether you're feeling desire and arousal for that other person or not, you know, that kind of conversation, that communication is really important. But just in terms of the physical side of things, a women's health physio is something that we don't always have the capacity to see. I would highly recommend a postnatal checkup post kind of six to eight weeks whether you've had a vaginal birth or a cesarean birth and that checkup should include an internal assessment which will really help you to understand the strength or the weakness or the flexibility or inflexibility of your pelvic floor and how that might be impacting you sexually as well and also can help you understand how uh, to deal with any scarring you have vaginally or from a C-section birth, which whilst you might not think it would make a difference to your sexual experience, actually it really can in a number of different ways, which I could go on about for, for donkey's <laughs> years. So I'll stop now. <laughs> no, that's brilliant. And I think it's really interesting that you mentioned C-sections because I think, you know, we all know that if you have a vaginal birth, we can all imagine whether you've had one or not, the reasons why you might not want to dive straight back into your sex life afterwards. But I think there's a sort of perhaps a misconception that having a C-section means that basically the rest of your pelvic floor and your vaginal, fine. Yeah. <laughs> vagina and vulva will be absolutely fine. And, and I think quite a lot of people are surprised when they find that that's not quite the case. Are you able to explain what sort of issues you might have with the physical side of sex, even if you've had a C-section rather than a vaginal birth? Yeah, it's such a great question to ask, because as you say, most people would expect that with a cesarean birth, you, you wouldn't have any pelvic floor issues at all. So firstly, that can be true. You might be totally fine. Everyone is different and everyone heals at different rates. Most of us will feel a little bit of strain on the pelvic floor anyway, because you have, after all, been carrying quite a large baby around uh, inside you for over nine months. Many of us will have experienced an unplanned C-section, in which case, if it is anywhere along the kind of emergency scale, you probably have been pushing a little bit or for a long time anyway. So 
the baby has already started to come out by the by the vagina. So that impacts the pelvic floor before you then go in to have major abdominal surgery for your C-section. Mm-hmm. So, so the pelvic floor can be affected like that. The other thing to mention is that scar tissue, whilst incredible and an amazing thing that our body does to heal the wounds, to knit us back together, to prevent us uh, getting infected, can also be quite sticky it lays itself down very quickly it lays itself down in knots not necessarily in kind of straight lines how our tissue would be formed normally so that's where you can get raised scars redness and so on and if you imagine taking the corner of your t-shirt and twisting it You'd have a twist underneath your fingers, but you would also see the fabric being pulled towards your fingers from the other side of the T-shirt. That's how scar tissue acts. The twist underneath your fingers is a scar tissue, but actually the fabric, the tissue from different areas in your body can be being pulled towards that scar tissue. So it means that if you've got this massive, great cesarean scar across your abdomen, actually it could be affecting your glutes, your pelvis, your hip flexors, your quads, lower back. It can affect you in ways that you don't necessarily realize because all of this kind of tension really adds up. And that's why scar massage can be really important as well, which again is something that we're not necessarily taught about, but is a really important part of the rehabilitation process for scars and C-sections as well. Fascinating. And just going back to this whole taboo around sex <laughs> after birth, because I mean, this whole series is about trying to smash some of the taboos that we have around postnatal health generally. But I still think there's sort of a, like a next level of oh, like fear, <laughs> I suppose, or I don't know whether people feel like they might be judged even for the idea of sex after birth. I mean, I spoke to Sarah Jane Dunn, who's an actress and amazing sort of advocate for body confidence in the first Mm -hmm. series. And she was saying that she felt really empowered after birth and really sexy and that she was really proud of her body and what it'd gone through. And once she'd gone through the sort of recovery period, she was like, just felt great. And she models underwear now and she looks fantastic. But she said she really battles with these comments all the time, like, but you're a mother. You can't be sexy. Where do you think this comes from this whole sort of idea (laughs) that moms can't be sexy and it's somehow wrong and weird for us to want to have an active sex life after birth oh my gosh where do I start um it's such a cultural phenomenon isn't it it's that whole societal rhetoric around the difference between woman as a mother versus the woman as a lover Mm. and it's it's the whole kind of Madonna whore dichotomy you can't be one and be the other at the same time. And I think in a way, I suppose that is helpful (laughs) in terms of compartmentalizing different parts of our lives. But I think the truth really is that we we are parts of both of those things and more other stereotypes as well, other uh, kind of women. But it's really hard to marry those two ideas. And I think in a society that is largely uh, male rum still and certainly viewed via the male gaze predominantly it's incredibly difficult to kind of break out of that mold it's really difficult and I found it really difficult to view myself 
with equal amounts of love as a mother and as a sexual being. And I think we all struggle with that slightly. And that's where some of this conversation in our own heads goes on about, you know, whether we like our bodies anymore after we've had a baby. You know, the fact that quite often we are revered and adored as kind of pregnant women. Oh, pregnant women are glowing. You're growing the baby. Isn't that wonderful? Can I touch the bum? Doesn't she look marvelous? And then as soon as you have the baby, well, she really needs to lose that baby weight, doesn't she? Why has she still got a bump? Like, do you need some tips on how to shed those pounds and bounce back? It's all incredibly insidious, but it really gets into the head. Even if you haven't experienced it, you will have seen that kind of rhetoric in magazines, in films, on TV. I remember after Kate Middleton had, I think it was even her first baby, and one of the commentators on live TV said, oh, and, you know, she's she's still got a bump, gosh. Like, as if it was a weird... I mean, this was like three hours after she'd given birth or something ridiculous. I mean, hats off to her for even coming outside and allowing you a glimpse of her and the baby in the first place. Uh, If that had been me, I would have probably punched someone. But, uh, yeah, so I think it's an incredibly difficult conversation. I think that's partly why it's so taboo is because we don't like to mix the idea of motherhood with sexuality even though and I think this is really unfair sex is how we got to being mothers in the first place yeah, exactly uh, I mean we've obviously had sex at least once yeah yeah exactly <laughs> it struck it lucky won't be doing it again yeah, um, <laughs> it's, it's funny you mentioned the Kate Middleton thing because that always really sticks in my head because that was the first time I had ever seen really a postpartum body up close and it was news to me. I mean, I was in my early 20s at the time mm. and I'd never seen someone still having a bump. And I was like, oh, and it was like educational for me to realise that that's what women look like. But also on another level, deeply unhelpful, because obviously, I mean, bless her, she had to appear in front of the world's press. But yeah. she'd obviously been, you know, got a blow dry and been styled and no, looking amazing. And the fact that she sort of showed this little bump was a brilliant step forward, but also like an insanely kind of backward step as well because everyone else I know looks like they've been dragged through a hedge backwards for <laughs> two weeks to like several months after having a child so I yeah I, I think that's it isn't it? it it did feel like a positive thing that actually people could see what a postpartum body looks like but the fact of her feeling so much pressure to come out and look glamorous and still be judged, yeah. even though she had done that for us, in inverted commas, us in terms of the media and, and the audience. Yeah, I just, something about that made me want to cry. But going back to what you said about mixing motherhood and being a sexual being, mm. I mean, I think... It is also, there are sort of practical reasons as well why that's hard, isn't there? It is very difficult to switch. If you've just done like a difficult bedtime or dealt with like a poo explosion or you've been <laughs> breastfeeding. Such a great turn on. <laughs> <laughs> or you, or you kind of know that you're keeping one ear out because you might have to go in and settle them again in a minute. Yeah. Then the idea of like, oh yeah, I'm just going to strip off and be sexy. It's just, 
I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just me, but I just find that transition really difficult when you've got one ear still in like motherhood mode, which is very kind of practical and often quite gross. Yeah, I I think that's exactly it. I think that's where we all really struggle is that actually, so as women, quite often it can take a long time for us to feel desire anyway we often need to feel desire in our heads before our bodies feel aroused physically. So if you don't have any time to make that mental transition, you don't have any headspace where you're not surrounded by kids, being touched by kids, having to clear up after kids, breastfeeding a kid, then it's really hard for us to kind of switch spaces mentally and feel that desire And then if we're not feeling that desire, we're not feeling aroused. So therefore we don't want to have sex. Whereas men often feel it the other way around. They can feel aroused straight away and then maybe the desire comes later. So that's where there's a little bit of a mismatch in terms of expectations and how we go about approaching intimacy in the first place, which is why it can be incredibly helpful to even just have that conversation with your other half because they're coming at it with a completely different lens to you are and whilst a lot of us are moving towards or have achieved a little bit more equal balance in terms of childcare, chores, how the household runs, the mental load, the biggest part of the mental load still I would hazard falls on the woman I consider myself to be in quite an equal relationship and still I carry most of the mental load and so just kind of circling back to that feeling of desire and, and needing to have a bit of headspace to get into that kind of feeling of passion and wanting to be intimate with your other half. If you've got all of that still in your head, it's going to be a really hard journey to make. And so just even explaining that to your other half and and maybe, you know, maybe even just say, well, look, actually, if you took up if this is if this is something that you're experiencing with your other half, you're suggesting if you know, he wants to do a bit more of the washing up or the washing or the childcare or whatever, maybe I would be in a better place to have a bit more sex and be a bit more like me again. And one of the things I do really advocate, people often talk about date nights and having time for you as a couple. I actually think first the, the priority should be spending time for you as a person on your own. And rediscovering what it feels like to be a woman who, without the label of mother, because of the conversation we just had, that's kind of where our our sexuality lives, is in that identity that's not as a mother. Yes, there is crossover, but sometimes if you need to get back to that nugget of of sensuality and sexuality and feeling like you again, it's going to come when you're on your own, when you feel a bit more confident in yourself and your old and inverted commas identity and you feel you know a little bit more alive a little bit less like everyone's relying on you all the time and that's where the nugget of your kind of sexuality might start to kind of or the seed of your sexuality might start to kind of germinate again and feel like it wants to spread its wings maybe so just spending time on your own even if it's like half an hour every day or going out for a coffee by yourself reading a book in the bath Um, yes going away for a spa day yes going and having dinner with your friends all of those things but there are little ways that we can do it as well and of course spending solo time in bed masturbation solo pleasure is really really important to rediscover 
how you feel towards your own body, what turns you on now, because actually that can change in the whole pregnancy, postpartum motherhood journey. And it might be that once you've remembered what an orgasm feels like, you might want to have more of them, or it might be that you're turned on by incredibly different things now and your partner doesn't know that and that's why you don't want to have sex with them because they don't actually get it so you know just spending that time for you exploring you on your own can be really really important I think amazing and I mean I think this is probably an impossible question but what is normal is there such a thing as normal because I think I think some friends feel really open and they can chat about that all day and that's great but I think a lot of people are still a little bit like they don't want to talk about it in case theirs isn't normal and that's that's everything from like straight away after they had the kid right up to like I didn't even want to look at him for two years yeah so (laughs) what what I mean I I realize there must be a range but is there a usual time that people have got back in the saddle as it were yeah, I I think that's such an interesting question because as you rightly point out, there isn't really a normal. And I would even go so far to say that even if people are telling you they've had sex again two months after the birth or six weeks after the birth or in hospital, is probably not true. Like they've picked something out of thin air and decided that that is what you know they're supposed to be doing so that's what they're going along with look some of it's going to be true some of it's not I just think it can be incredibly dangerous to listen to what other people are doing or base your expectations on what other people are doing because you are your own relationship you you and your relationship with your partner are unique your own birth and postnatal journey is unique your own rehabilitation time and recovery time is different to everyone else's no one's birth is the same as yours so you may have experienced interventions and trauma where someone else hasn't so look how long's a piece of string if you are not having sex again two three years post-birth Of course, I would say there's probably an issue that you might want to resolve. If that's because you genuinely perhaps don't like the other person anymore, that's a different conversation to I'm scared to just physically have sex. So, you know, always take these things with a pinch of salt. But if you are kind of a few months in and you're still not feeling up to it, that is totally fine. As long as you are communicating with your other half and letting them know what the situation is and that you're not just withholding sex for the sake of it um they need to kind of understand and appreciate where you're coming from too and it is a partnership you know sex is great on its own solo pleasure is wonderful and I thoroughly advocate it but if we're talking about kind of the more traditional I suppose uh making love sexual intercourse penis and vagina sex then obviously that is a kind of team activity and so there's two of you in that game it's always pays to have the conversation with the other person I would say that whenever you're feeling ready is fine if that's very early great probably wait until you stop bleeding and if you have any wounds make sure that they're healed first particularly with a cesarean you probably want to wait until you know the the tissue has healed fully but again 
each to their own if you're feeling like it's okay and you go gently the first time then it's fine the one that I think I have more questions about is not necessarily when is the first time but how frequently people are doing it now like what's normal how you know how often should I be having sex and that is the one thing that people can lie about so easily no one knows how much you're having sex with your other half so if I said to you yeah we're doing it every night you you might be thinking okay well she's making that up slightly but you wouldn't be able to tell so then that gets ingrained in your head it's like oh well they're doing it that much so I must therefore have to be doing it that much and if we're not I should feel bad about it so I just think frequency is definitely something that you should just take your own uh, passions and your own frequency as your guide rather than someone else's and in terms of getting back into the sack, if it takes longer, that's absolutely fine. There's nothing wrong with that. I think if it's probably, if it's over a year and you still haven't raised that conversation and there's nothing that's occurring kind of physically or mentally, then that's something that you should maybe address just to make sure that, you know, you and your other half are on the same page here. In the conversations that you've had in terms of sort of restarting your sex life and trying to relight the fire... Do lesbian and non-binary couples have different concerns or are they generally, you know, we all basically have the same concerns? Do you have different advice for people who are not in straight relationship? So there have been a lot of studies and actually there are similar worries that same-sex couples have post-birth. I think it really depends if one of you has actually given birth or not as well, rather than it being a surrogacy or an adoption. And whether we're talking about penetrative sex or not, for example, in a lesbian couple, that might not be something that is part of your intimacy uh, on a frequent basis and is obviously something that you might more happily, shall we say, avoid for the time being if that if that doesn't suit one of you um so I think there are definitely similar issues but possibly managed in slightly different ways and and perhaps not quite so much pressure in terms of penetrative and traditional penis and vagina sex but mentally I think a lot of the the issues are the same in terms of making that transition the practical issues of of tiredness and mental load and also kind of physical recovery as well yeah and it's interesting what you say about the tiredness and the mental load and all of those things because actually those issues presumably affect couples even where no one has actually had the child if you have used a surrogate you know you've still got a newborn baby to look after and yeah. that in itself is just not that sexy is it? <laughs> yeah and <laughs> your you world's see... still being turned upside down <laughs> exactly and I think you know potentially that transition in how you are seen in your identity as well you've become a parent now and as we talked about previously parenthood doesn't necessarily go hand in hand with being sexy sometimes it does there's uh, there's a really uh, good book actually called uh, it's very tongue-in-cheek but it's called porn for new mums it's basically pictures of hot men looking after babies and doing washing up amazing and uh which really speaks to a lot of people <laughs> so look there can be good things about parenthood about doing the housework about sharing the load I think it doesn't go hand in hand with the traditional in inverted commas stereotype of sexy so that transition whether you've physically had a baby or not I think that transition 
mentally in terms of adjusting to one another's new identity can be a little bit of a tricky one to navigate. I think there's also, like you say, a sort of new joy and desire to be found in seeing your other half as a parent as well. Like you can feel like real affection for them in a way that you didn't, you know, it's a new kind of affection, isn't it? When you see them being a really great parent to your child Mm. or you guys all working together as a family to get stuff done. And it's such a challenge having a child in many ways. Um, But actually when you sort of all come together and work together to make it happen then you can feel a real kind of love and affection for your partner which in itself can be sexy in a kind of different way I, th- I think it's I think it's a really good point I think there's there's that love and affection and that brush of oxytocin you know when you see your other half cradling your newborn for the first time seeing them so capable in this new environment can be very warming and I would say is is probably a different kind of love to the kind of sexy passion side mm. of things. So whilst I think it can strengthen a relationship, it doesn't always feed in automatically to a kind of boost in the bedroom. So yeah. <laughs> it, it is a tricky one because those, you know, love has many facets in that sense and, and kind of passion and desire aren't always the same base of love as, as, being a good parent is being a good dad or a good mom absolutely so you, you said you had a difficult birth with your daughter can you sort of talk us through what happened and and how you felt after that I'm really happy to share because I think it's it's one of the things that makes Uh, my book and my writing so relatable is that I've been there and I think a lot of us who work in this space have experiences to draw on and that's why we're so passionate about it so essentially I had a vaginal birth with my first daughter but I had interventions I had von Tuss which didn't work and then an episiotomy and uh, forceps delivery which came quite late on my labor was quite long and drawn out and wasn't really progressing and that was partly because I think I my mind wasn't prepared for birth uh it sort of had ignored it for quite a long time and therefore my body wasn't really letting go it was just too tense so it got quite late on and the heart rate was slowing and so you get all of the mental worries the the worries about you know, the health of the baby and whether she's going to be all right. And it had got to the point where if she didn't come out, it was going to have to be a C-section. Luckily, she came out with forceps, but the cord was wrapped around the neck. And then when it was taken off, it snapped. So she lost quite a lot of blood and then went to uh, the NICU for four days. So we had to leave her in the hospital as well, mm-hmm. uh, which felt a little bit unfair having gone through <laughs> quite a lot of work to get her um, left hospital without a baby. So all of that led to uh, mild PTSD, I think, from my reaction to to that trauma. Um, I had pretty severe postnatal depression, though I didn't recognize that for a number of years. The episiotomy and the, the forceps delivery left me with vaginal scarring. And my body likes to create very chunky, very sensitive scars. So uh, that coupled with the fact that I had a too tight pelvic floor, a hypertonic pelvic floor, 
meant that sex was incredibly painful uh, post-birth. I had no vaginal lubrication, which is very common um, postnatally, but mine has never really come back. So that can be affected by dehydration and stress. So, so dry vagina, very painful, very tight, lots of scarring, <laughs> had postnatal depression anyway. All of that is not a great combination for having pleasurable sex again. And so I found it incredibly painful for a long time. I asked for help via my GP, which unfortunately wasn't the right kind of help it didn't really get me anywhere I was referred to a gynecologist and that didn't help I had some internal ultrasounds and that found nothing and it was only about a year into my journey that I met Amanda Savage who is an incredible women's health physio and uh, a contributor to the book and has helped me with the retreat side of the business as well she's just an amazing woman and her explanations are so clear it was like, it genuinely was like in a cartoon when a light bulb goes on above someone's head. Yeah. First time I spoke to her, I just was incredulous that no one had explained any of this before, how the pelvic floor works, how the pelvic floor could potentially be too tight, how scarring works, why scarring is painful, how your mind and your body are so interrelated. And so once I started seeing her, she put me on the right path to recovery. But that was already after a year of things getting worse and mm. more tense between my me and my husband. Um, luckily, once I met her and, and was kind of sorting myself out physically, we then were able to have a little bit more headspace to sort things out between us and communicate and for me to get therapy and kind of own that side of my mental health as well. But, you know, it was a long journey and there were lots of different things to unpick there, which is why I think I would have really appreciated someone going, well, look, it could be any of these 10 things. Mm why don't we start with this? Let's pick off the easy things first in terms of like physical and mental symptoms and see if they start to gradually improve things. And then once we've done that and we get into the knottier problems, you know, you at least have solved the things around the outside and we gradually improve the the situation. But yes, it took a long time, but we're very happy now. (laughs) Brilliant. Um, You recently had another baby. Yeah, yeah. So my first daughter is eight and my little one is a year and a half. So yes, a little bit of a gap in between. But understandably, from our point of view, because we were going all of this horrible stuff, we nearly got divorced at one point. Um, and that's oh, yeah. where the couple, well, that, and that's where the couples therapy came in. I think, you know, divorce is so common postnatally. I think the divorce rates are really go up in the first year after you have a baby. And actually, so many people, once we came out about, oh gosh, you know, actually, we've been having couples therapy either we started seeing lots of other couples getting divorced or we started seeing people going, oh yeah, no, we've really struggled too. We're kind of fine now, but we've really been through it. And it's so normal. But again, one of those things that we don't really talk about. Well, that's fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing. You're welcome. So my last question that I ask everyone, and I'm really interested to hear your your thoughts on this, is if there's one thing you could change about the world we live in, which would help new mums, what would it be? So I think we need to listen more to mums because so often we're saying things and people aren't really listening to what we're saying. We are dismissed as, oh, this is normal now that you've given birth or, oh, everyone goes through that a little bit. It'll get better in a few months. And actually 
sometimes it doesn't and we're so overwhelmed by what we're trying to cope with that we forget or we don't have the time to go back and pursue the topic and therefore we never end up getting the help we need and therefore life is just a little bit worse but all the time um or a lot worse you know it's incredible some of the things that I hear women suffering with particularly mums so I would say if people could listen to us a little bit more and kind of believe what we're saying that would be an incredible help wouldn't it you'd like to hear more from Cleo, her book, Get Your Mojo Back, published by Watkins, is out now and I've put a link to where you can buy it in the show notes. You can also follow Cleo on Instagram where she's at and breathe wellbeing. Thank you for listening to Mother Bodies and for spreading the word that mum's health does matter. If you've been affected by any of the issues discussed in this episode, please, please don't suffer in silence. I've put some links in the show notes for organisations that offer support. Please do remember that nothing on this podcast should be taken as a substitute for proper medical advice. If you have any concerns about your physical or mental health, please contact a healthcare professional like your GP, midwife, health visitor, women's health physiotherapist or your local counselling service. Hit subscribe or follow now to get Mother Bodies every Monday wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow the podcast on Instagram or Twitter at Mother Bodies. 